Agenda here, we actually want to talk about you as an actor. Um, I know we're about comic books and stuff. Obviously, we're going to touch a little bit on Preacher, but we really want to talk about you, uh, how you started, uh, projects you're working on, anything you want to push. Uh, we do get quite a lot of followers. We usually get about th- a couple thousand downloads a, a podcast, and uh, oh, really appreciate it. Nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, for wanting to do this with us. Uh, it was funny. Um, <clears throat> When I first met Jai, uh, we were in uh, the same training class together at Progressive. Yeah. And uh, we somehow got on the topic of uh, comic books and we got on The Preacher. And uh, we talked about it like for a month. Like it was just something we were very, very interested in because I usually reread reread it about once a year. uh, No exaggeration. And um, well, uh, he comes up to me uh, at work just freaking out <laughs> like just freaking out like uh you won't fucking believe it and i was like who is he gonna be and he's like guess and i'm like oh shit he's fucking jody oh god damn it he's jody <laughs> <laughs> yeah he told he told me about that i couldn't believe it you know out of uh um yeah it just sort of everything is kind of cyclical i guess it's funny you guys were talking about it right before it happened because <laughs> he was telling me about it before I booked it. Oh yeah, booking like what? Uh, how did you? Uh, was did that happen under any typical means, or did you audition, or how did it go? Well, I had uh, what they do, what actors do now. Typically, um, the good thing is everything is not so concentrated just in in L.A. or Hollywood anymore. Right. Uh, with so many things, they're like five producer hubs now. Uh, there used to be like L.A. and New York, and that was it. Okay. Now we've got L.A. and we've got New York and we've got Chicago and we have uh, New Orleans um, and we have wow. Uh, What's it? Atlanta. I think Atlanta, of course. Yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta's bigger than L.A. right now. So it's insane. <laughs> yeah. So you have all these different producer hubs. So I mean, the acting field is really, it's really, it's it's interesting. It's good. Um, there aren't as many up and coming stars, uh, but, uh, there are more people actually working, you know, which mm-hmm. of, of course I prefer, but what, what they do now is, um, you guys probably already know this, but you, you tape your auditions. In other uh-huh. words, um, you set up a, a camera, you know, a nice 4k and get somebody to read with you and you tape it and you basically have to go through all these, it's like writing a grant. You have to go through all these rules and regulations and you submit it to the powers of be. So the wow. trick is just getting, just being able to get a read. Um, the hardest part is just getting a read, right? Is there a so, market for people doing that? I don't mean to interrupt, but is there a market for people like trying to help out uh, actors and performers get those recordings set up? Oh, God, yeah. 
Awesome. Okay. No, it's you. It's huge in LA specifically mm-hmm. in Atlanta, and they have several people that take. I do it myself, mm-hmm. but there are several people here in town that um, that do it. Well, I mean, and when I when I was taping for Preacher, uh, one of my best buds named Ryan Watherspoon, I'd go over to his house, and he's a. That's what he does. Like he's a he's an actor writer, but he's also a filmmaker. So he would set it up and you know shoot all these auditions for me. And we went through, I mean, we went through, oh, we went through the trial by fire with Preacher. I mean, we ended up auditioning or taping, that was what, six or eight times? Uh-huh. Um, was it? They come back with different notes. Uh-huh. It's, okay, it's, it's a, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting process because first you have to get through the casting director. Mm-hmm. So first you got to get somebody who's willing to watch you, right? And that's your agent's job. So you get to the casting director, then the casting director will push it to the producers. And then the producers push it to network. And then everybody's got notes. So every time you get over one hurdle, it's like, okay, now it's the next hurdle with a whole new set of eyes with new notes, with new notes, with new notes. So, um, yeah, so we, we taped six or eight times. Um, my goodness. And, and the great thing about, about, you know, AMC and preacher and, um, Sam and Seth and all those guys is the fact that they wanted, um, I mean, what I auditioned with didn't even exist in the series. So they were just trying to give, trying to give their actors a good monologue so they could really, everybody could sort of suss out the, suss out the, the situation. Who are um, Sam and Seth that you just mentioned? Seth Rogen. No, oh, good. Sam Catlin, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, I mean, all those guys. Okay. Um, yeah, all the producers and, um, yeah. Michael Slav- Slovis, uh, mm-hmm. who was directed the first two episodes, uh, was a, he's a produce, one of the producing directors. He probably had the most to do with helping me figure out exactly who Jody was going to be because uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't play the character like the comic book. You just can't do it. You, you you absolutely can't. And uh, when it was announced that it was going to happen, sorry, I've got like a frog in my throat all day. When it was announced it was going to happen, I couldn't believe that it was going to be on network television uh, because, in my opinion, that is an X-rated comic book and not like X-rated like, uh, you know, you know, adult, uh, you know, NC-17. You know, the like the, the, yeah. the situations are, are, are crazy. And with Jody... I mean, he's such a filthy character. How did you feel when you realized what he was? Well, I mean, I was, I, I read the books. Uh, I was a big Garth Ennis fan. I read the books when I was in my early 20s. Rad. So, I mean, so I, I had, I mean, I, I tell people that I actually sold all my my preachers uh, in order to put a down payment on my house. So, I mean, I I was very, <laughs> I followed it for years. So I, They're I mean, worth that much. No, but they helped with my down payment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they may be now. They weren't mm-hmm. then, but they helped out. Um, yeah, the speculator market's been out of control on a lot of stuff, especially with the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and The Walking Dead went crazy. I'm still spending money I made selling my uh, Walking Dead comics, but I'm using it to buy more comics to review, so it's a perpetuating system. Yeah, man, they did go crazy, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They're were, they're were, they worth a lot of money, and I don't know how much the preacher comics are worth without like being rated. Um, but 
But I mean, I got a few hundred bucks to help my down payment about, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was. Fantastic. Um, and it's not 15, about, probably about 15 years ago. But uh, no, I mean, the character, um, you could never look at a character as, oh my God, this guy is despicable or he's a rotten human being. You have to, um, I mean, I, I never looked at the character that way, I guess. I mean, I was reading the comic. Um, that character is different from the character that, you know, came on the television show. Uh, yes. And what, you know, so, I mean, really, there were a lot of things that they were playing with. The storylines were different, obviously. But, I mean, we're playing with a lot of different ways to give not only, you know, me, but Colin, uh, the guy who played uh, um, Colin Cunningham, the guy who played, why am I forgetting his name? My partner. Mm. Um, we'll figure it out and throw it in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, he was, his character is really more despicable than mine, but, um, yeah, no, figure out ways to make them, them human, you know, um, TC, TC. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, cause you can't, you can't have the audience just turning their back on you from the get go, you know? And I love the way that you know they, they developed them, especially in that first episode. You know, how much? How, uh, first and foremost, how much fun was it? It's the most fun I've ever had on a gig ever. How long you been acting? Oh, I've been acting. I mean, I've been acting since I was in kindergarten. I guess I've been doing it professionally since I graduated from college in '92. What did so, you go to school for? I actually went to school on a rinky-dink football scholarship and ended up getting a, a speech communications degree, which I, an English degree, which I've never used. <laughs> gave, gave up some decent theater uh, scholarships to go to go to this little college, but that's another story for another time. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, I was in, in New Orleans for better part of six months. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, it's the best time I've ever had as an actor. It's, it's one of the best times I've ever had, period. You know, it's so it's so rare that an actor is able to, you know, do something outside of theater, which I, I spent, you know, the better part of 20 years doing. Um, outside of theater, it's hard to find a gig that really, you know, um, that lasts more than two or three weeks. You know? Yeah, so that, that makes was, sense. Yeah. yeah. How did you how did you feel that they how how well do you think they did with your character as Jody in the television show as opposed to what they did in the comic? I mean, were you really happy with the overall like uh, ending? Well, you know, the ending is pretty close to the comic book ending. Uh, even uh, when he says, "I'm proud of you, boy," that's straight from the comic. So mm -hmm. the, the man who directed the last episode, Sam Catlin. He's also one of the the people who um, produced um, the Walking. I'm sorry, um, Breaking Bad. Um, but I mean, he really tried to shoot it in panels and go really close to, uh, you know, really stay close to the comic book on that last, the graphic novel on that last episode. You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny. He actually came up to me and said, "Look." I, um, we've been trying to fit, and I had never, because I mean, I was so familiar with the character going into it. I knew that Jody wasn't making it through the season, you know. Right. Mm. And uh, he came up to me that last episode and said, "I want you to know, we tried 
because uh, he's the head writer. We tried to figure out a way not to kill Jody, but we just couldn't do it without having all these preacher fans, you know, threaten to burn down my house. It's like, <laughs> there's no way we can do it. It's like, but it's, we were, uh, but we really tried. I'm like, I appreciate that. It never even occurred to me that you were, would try, you know? <laughs> One of my uh, all time favorite comic book moments, like ever, probably top five was when uh, Jesse is with his mom and she's like, what about, what about grandma and Jody? And he's like, I, I, I killed them. I sent them to hell mama. And she's just like, good boy. <laughs> like I, 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 that broke me. Like that broke me. Um, yeah. th- because my mom's like that. <laughs> if, if that would have happened to anyone in, in my life, it was, it was so parallel. Um, yeah, you would, it, keeping you alive definitely would have stolen that, that moment, which was a, a, a big deal. Don't How's get me it? wrong, as an actor, I would have preferred it, but uh, <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs> I yeah. prefer to go down in season four. That's fine. You know, <laughs> I didn't get out of Angelville, though. How's it helped your career? Uh, no, it's, it's been fine. You know, um, it's, it's put me in a different category than I was before. I mean, before that, I was mainly co-star stuff. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, it's been mainly guest star stuff. So um, I'm not, not I'm not getting as many gigs, but the gigs that I'm getting are a bigger deal. Like I just finished a western with Sean with uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and oh, Steve okay. Zahn. Yeah, that I, that I just shot in Virginia. I just left. Like I was the guest star of the episode with Steve Zahn, and we just left uh, last week. You know. So, I mean, it's like uh, there are gigs like that that are bigger gigs that um, I can get in the running for. I mean, it's harder. Don't get me wrong. Mm. It's harder booking those than a co-star, but at least you're in the running for the bigger gigs, you know. So it's it's really kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I just do my best, man. Just do my best. Keep at it. It's funny. The last time I did a Western, I'm I'm in Oklahoma. The last time I did a Western, it was in West Virginia. <laughs> Just don't, yeah, don't, don't perceive it. I don't that's think he knows what you do, shot. man. That's where we shot was West Virginia. Oh, yeah. OK. Was it uh, were you around like uh, Inwood or um, Winchester or something? Or was it deeper out out west of that? We, we were in a place. Uh, they built this Western town. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if I can talk about this stuff, man. That's all right. You don't have to. I mean, I'm a. Per- I, didn't, I didn't think about that. I should probably. That's all right. You don't that. have to say anything about that. <laughs> We're right. we we just for for uh, the uh, uh, the flow of conversation we just recorded from the beginning. We'll do our intro and our well, outros later. But, tell them uh, what you do, man. Tell them what you do. I'm a, I'm a props master and a, a, a production designer, and I, you know, I'm a set dresser and such like that. I I work in uh, Oklahoma and Texas mainly, and um, I'm excited. Next week, I'm getting ready to do a, a Civil War piece for a museum here. So it's one of those things that'll it'll last as long as the museum's there. Uh, That's wild, man. I actually have done um, a good deal of, I work, uh, I haven't, I haven't for the last couple of years, but for probably 10, 15 years, I worked with a a company here in town called Parker Designs. And that's what I did. I built props. Oh, no Uh, way. What town are you in? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. It was it's mainly for corporate stuff and some children's shows. Uh-huh. But that's what we did. We built props and then, you know, did a lot of set dressing and, and things like that. You know, it's freelance, so it's like yeah. what you can get whenever you can get it. But, uh, <clears throat> I mean, what you're doing sounds like a lot cooler than what I did. It's I got its moments. Time. I mean, you, I, I get on set whenever there's prop, set work to be done. People get the least respect, man. They work. They're the first ones there. The last one's to leave, and nobody notices them. <laughs> yeah, set dressers in particular, construction crew, just depends on how big the show is. Yeah, uh, right. Fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, is there... And I was born in Oklahoma. Actually, my mother no lives way. in... Uh, yeah, no, I was born in Oklahoma City. My mother and um, her whole side of the family live in Edmond. Uh-huh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's where... People ask me where I'm from. I'm like, well, Colorado by way of Texas by way of uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> we just enough. jotted back and forth. But, yeah, I, the, those are the three places I've logged time. You know, Do you and, feel like these places that are part of your upbringing are uh, – the, 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 these things feed into the appeal of what you can deliver on camera? I can't help but believe that there's got to be some truth in that. Um, yeah. There's a difference, you know, I always, I grew up, ironically, I grew up thinking I was a Southerner until I moved to the South. And I'm like, I'm not a Southerner at all, you know. People yeah. in Oklahoma are not Southerners. I keep As hearing that. <laughs> you know, the West and the Southwest are, are uh, a completely different, you know, breed of people. I mean, people are completely different. Not better or worse, I'm just saying. Yeah, it is um, different. It's a, it's a completely different thing. So, um a lot of the things I tend to get booked in tend to have more of this. I mean, of course it's funny because like Jody, of course is, uh, you know, grew up in the Bayou and all that, but I booked it with a Oklahoma, you know, accent. Beautiful. It's kind of funny. Several actors have told me that kind of thing. Then I, I got in there and it's like my first week of, uh, I got in there right away because I had to get into go into stunts because mm-hmm. uh, you know I, all the stunt, all the fighting stuff, all the stuff. So I mean, I literally got got confirmed one day and was on a plane the next morning. Car picked me up at like five fifteen in the morning, and by you know nine o'clock, I'm in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, in a with the, with a fight captain. But that day, they also sent me to a dialect coach. It's like, okay, here's uh, th- this is the dialect we're going with. I'm like, oh my god, really? How did? Yeah, that's interesting. Like, like I, I mean, how a dialect? How does your day break down prepping for that kind of a for for a role that you're you know that's got that much attention attached to it before you actually show up to start working? Well, um. What do you mean? I mean, like, uh, did you get prep time more extensively than like a couple of days? You did some, like, you, you, you know, hey, all right, I'm here, and now I got to go immediately and do a stunt thing, and then I've got to go do a uh, a dialect thing, and then there's, uh, yeah. did you had a fitting or whatever? How many days of prep did you get before you were uh, uh, on camera? They called me in. I got the the news on a Saturday. I flew in on a Sunday. We started shooting the big, and they cut. You need to bear in mind, you know, that first episode, that big fight between me and Jesse around mm-hmm. the truck. Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. They cut a quarter of that fight out. 
Okay. So that that fight was much bigger, much much bigger, right? Um, so that's what we started shooting that Friday. So I got there uh, and went into uh, stunts and everything on Sunday, and we actually shot the fight uh, on Friday. So I had a few days. That's a chunk right there. That's awesome. But I mean, but it was it was intense because I mean things got a lot easier after that. But I mean, the first thing I went into was that fight, man, which was the probably maybe the biggest thing I did in all ten episodes was that that fight. It, it was for sure. Like I said, they cut a quarter of it out, but and I saw it because they had a screening for cast and crew, and it was it was badass, you know uh, <laughs> that. That fight reminded me of Keith David and Rowdy Rowdy Piper in uh, They Live. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's a good John fight Piper. right there. <laughs> well, I mean, but I saw the uncut fights. Um, what you saw was three quarters of the fights. Like, I in the fight, I, I like I go to the truck. I I purposely take uh, knock my shoulder out of socket, so I only oh, have gosh. one arm. Mm. So, so when you're watching that fight, and I'm fighting him just with my left arm, it's because they cut out the stuff of me going, knocking it out of socket. So I have one arm. I mean, it was badass what they had me doing, and I still don't know why they cut it down. I'm assuming because they it made me look too powerful over him. Um, mm. That's that the only sounds- thing. I- that sounds more like a rating factor. I mean, the the like the first time I saw oh, that happen was point. Lethal Weapon, and that 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 was disturbing. Mm-hmm. The what? In Lethal Weapon, when he uh, Mel Gibson knocks his dislocated shoulder back into place, that that hurt to watch. I wonder yeah. if it was maybe uh, that sort of yeah, like case. ratings, uh, whether or not yeah. it was uh, too violent or something like that. Yeah, who knows, man? I mean, all those things. Certainly fall. I mean, it's weird because AMC's cable, but they're not. That's a good point. It's they've got the Walking the, Dead and Into the Badlands and all those wacky shows. Man, yeah, mm. yeah. But I know it worked. The good thing is, I know it worked because I saw with that audience and everybody went, you know, just crazy over it. And I'm awesome. like, okay. And then we reshot some stuff, even added to it, and. Michael Slav, the director, is like, wait till you see this, man. Wait till you see it. And then I saw it. I'm like, what is going on? This is what happened. I was very disappointed. But anyway, but at least it was it was didn't get cut completely. You know, did you get to do any uh, Comic-Con appearances or anything like that? Did you get to push your character a little bit that way? No, man. Um, I was I, I was hoping I would be able to go to Comic Con, uh, but just uh, the three leads went that year. Um, yeah, you know, I I called my agent. I I guess I'm doing some. I don't know if it's a it's an official con, but I'm doing something in December with uh, somebody who puts those things together around here. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I haven't, that'd be the first time. It's funny because, uh, I, I went, to, I've been to, to LA two or three times for different reasons since we shot the show. Yeah. And anytime I go to LA, man, I'll have people say, Hey, great work. I enjoyed you. Blah, blah, blah. Like they recognize me from the show, um, <clears throat> or other stuff I've done that nobody in Nashville knows. 
Nobody, nobody, national, nobody expects nobody it. Nobody national see that show. It's so strange, all of the markets, because, I mean, I lived in Burbank for several years, and you'd just go over to Fry's and run into somebody, or you'd go to, you know, you couldn't you couldn't help but see a bunch of people talking, having some kind of a meeting at Starbucks, and you're like, man, I hope those guys, you know, they're pushing something, I hope it succeeds. Or you'd, yeah. you'd go anywhere in there, oh, it's Venus Williams or whatever, but, like, uh yeah, it's strange because it's on everybody's minds out there. And I think it's even on everybody's minds in New York. But I wonder about the Atlanta scene because, I mean, it's it's such a crew town. And I think yeah. – I don't know that talent really wants to be there because it's freaking hot. So I think they get in and get out, but whatever. <laughs> the, talent, the talent I've talked to uh... – in Atlanta who that have come from LA tend to prefer it, but more for socioeconomic reasons, you know, that makes um, sense. Yeah. You know, and you know, these are people who tend to like seasons as well, uh-huh. you know? um, which they're intense, but at least they have them. You know, I was in LA <laughs> for about three years. There were no seasons, man. You know, it was, it was, it was always nice, but yeah, a little, got a little boring after a while. Yeah, the marine layer will <laughs> take rob you of any sunsets. That's for sure. I've got a completely off-topic question. Um, it's, it's been bugging me. Having read Preacher and having <laughs> known what Cassidy's like, what Cassidy does, uh, every time I reread Preacher, I fall in love with Cassidy all over again. And then he breaks my heart all over again. What was it like to be in his presence? Joe? Yeah, I mean, just like knowing what he's going to do and what Cassidy is. I mean, like, uh, obviously we're into the comic. I mean, like, I I, I would imagine that I would hug him and then cry and then punch him if I met him because I know what he's he's about, what he's going to do. What was it like? Well, I mean, uh, Joe, everybody was awesome, man. I've never been on a set in my life where everybody was that cool all the time. There was never any ego. There was never any stress. It was amazing. Like I just, like I said, I just left this, this thing, you know, uh, and it's that it was normal. You know what I'm saying? But preacher was not, was not normal in that regard. And these are people who were working 14, 16, 18 hour days, you know, five, mm-hmm. six days a week for six months. And there was never any attitude. Joe was always, um, Joe was always on, man. What you see in like the little videos of him when he's like the promo videos, when he's like talking to the audience and things like that, that's, that's really him, man. Uh, he's, he's the nicest guy. All of them are, they really are. But um, you want a sense of Joe, that's him. That's him. He's 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 a manic depressive man. He's he's a hundred miles an hour. He's um, yeah. He's everything. The actor is everything you'd hoped he'd be. I can I'll say that about all of them. You know, it's like they're they're exactly who you hoped they would be. You know. Did you learn anything from them? I mean, did they take you aside and you guys talk shop or? Well, sure. You always do that. Um, you know, in terms of you know shooting a scene and, you know, figuring out how to, to make it work and things of that sort. Um, uh, 
Betty was fascinating always because she has great stories. She's done so many things. She had just, uh, um, she just had an album produced by T-Bone Burnett, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is cool because I have a buddy who had just had an album produced by T-Bone Burnett, you know. Um, and so, I mean, you always learn, man. You never stop learning, you know. I think we all have things to teach each other. There was a scene, uh, I don't, I forget which episode it was, but um, it was uh, Featherstone and uh, Tulip and TC and I, and we're in a kitchen, and uh, TC starts off the scene. So Colin just starts pacing back and forth across. They, they call action, and he just starts pacing back and forth across the floor, just pay, pacing, not saying anything, mm -hmm. sort of pacing, pacing. And then he, you know, finally kind of comes out with his line and, and we go on with the scene and he, he walked over to me and said, see, it's like, that's, that's the great thing, man. When you start the seed, they have to wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just pull out a cigarette and start puffing and go whenever you decide you fucking want it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you should but, drive uh, the script supervisor nuts, but I guess if you can be consistent. Yeah. Or God, was. give him something different every time. I mean, how... How often do you get to tell them, you know, like, hey, I just want to try this again a different way? I mean, the director's going to throw that at you now and again, but uh, how often do you get to get away with it? They were, well, I mean, they're great on that set. I mean, of course, we had a different awesome. director every episode. Yeah. Um, Did they have a bullpen so, of directors? I haven't looked at the credits for that. Is it a bullpen or was it just like, a, you know, hey, here's a new guy every every episode? It's a new guy every episode. There mm. are two or three that directed a couple episodes. Uh, same ones who directed up uh, season four and okay, you know, okay, yeah. Mm. But yeah, did you get to make any uh, particular moves like that? You know, hey, I just want to try it this way, and did it sure, work man. out? Yeah, yeah, no, all the time, every awesome. That's great. Always, always had that freedom. Man, it just freedom, yeah. sounds like a great set to have been involved in. I mean, it just uh, it was. It was great. It was great. Well, what's so cool too is. Um, this this guest star this guest star thing I just did this western I was talking about mm -hmm. I get there and um, one of the directors of one of the episodes of Preacher was directing that episode. <laughs> oh, rad! Yeah. So I mean, you're walking into it with this sort of this feeling of oh, I got family here, cool, you know? Yeah. As opposed to being a stranger walking because you never know it's not your set, you know, you never been there before. You walk in, you, you try your best, you hope people like you, blah blah blah, but. You know, it's it's nice when you've got somebody you've worked with before, and and that kind of crazy situation. It was like, hey, <laughs> this is great. We get to work together again. You know, I get that every now and again. You know, I mean, I I did a couple of shows with Armand Desante. Like he was a thing in Oklahoma in the early two thousands. He was here for multiple shows. You right. could visit with him. Oh yeah, you remember when we did that? Oh yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it's a, it's interesting because on my end of things and the market being like it is, I see the same people over and over, and they're my coworkers. And it's not one of these multi-layer crew worth of, of markets like you would definitely get in any of those uh, production hubs you talked about that were um, where you might not see the same person for a solid year. 
but uh well there's there's uh the the guys who did sound mm-hmm. um well one of the guys who did sound on this uh the good lord bird which is the the, the series of did. Mm-hmm. i hadn't seen since i did the last castle and and that was 2001 oh man yeah that's that wild. a while it was a Redford film I did. Uh-huh. And the other guy I hadn't seen for three or four years uh, on a De Niro film that I'd done. But both of these, but none of these guys l- lived in L.A. or New York. I mean, everybody lives everywhere. Oh, I know it, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's still a little whack that I'm, I've got such roots. I mean, I'm just, I'm very much trying to be a their father for my son. And so I stick to a market that is quite difficult to work in and hasn't always given me what I wanted, but you know, I'm trying very hard to make it better right now because of the, uh, being involved in the union and, uh, trying to, trying to just increase our roster and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it is. It is a interesting gypsy lifestyle. Yeah, no, no, me too, man. Me too. I mean, one of the reasons I live in, in um, Nashville is because I don't want to live in L.A. anymore. I don't, and I, I don't think I'm brave enough to live in New York. Um, and I'm kind of, this is kind of a central location of all these different hubs, you know. Yeah, New you York. Know? Uh... I'm not going to book anything in L.A. because L.A. has got enough actors. You know what I'm saying? But outside of L.A., yes. uh-huh. they're going to have to going to have to bring an actor in anyway. I mean, I've got as good a chance as anybody else. You know. I tried. I don't know. I mean, I don't know anybody who would say that I spent any time actually trying to act. But I mean, that was my goal for a long time, and I was like, no, man, this isn't going to work for me. And then, uh, you know, every there's there's tons of me, so. I just remember having a very heavy, very funny friend of mine who was trying to be a comic and trying to be and trying to act. And I was like, they need you, dude. You're the guy. You're that guy. You have you. You've got a type and uh, you can pull that and then you can branch out from that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I could see myself playing a lot of (laughs) I don't know, background (laughs) surgeons or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> second lawyer <laughs> i have no idea are there any particular roles that you've got your eyes on or anything that you really hope to play uh i mean um you know it really for me is about it's funny because you said something about type for me it's always about trying to do something that's completely different from what I've done before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to eke out a living at this for, you know, 20 years or so. Um, So in terms of a, no, because I don't really know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? You never really know until you get the sides what's going on out there. It's not like Spielberg is calling me up and saying, Hey, I've got this great role for you. Look at it. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but but even then, there's you, some. You take you take whatever. I mean, I'm in a position now where it's like it'd be great before I die to be in a position where I can pick and choose. But right now, it's like Shh, you you're going to pay me money for this. I'll do it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. You know, well, um, there's there's a there's a one particular actor that I've always had my eye on. His name is Stephen Root, and uh, yeah. 
he's a character actor, and but at yeah, the same no, time, the, though, the 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 character himself, uh, like the guy is, he's, in my in my opinion, he's one of my favorite actors of all time, and it, it doesn't matter what he does, he falls into things, he's amorphous. And, uh, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at your age at the moment. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times people find that as a detriment, but nowadays there's so many different roles. Now, when it comes to comic books, there's a lot of, obviously people are trying to scoop comics left and right, trying to make something really good, uh, because they think if it's a comic, then it's going to be good, but that's not necessarily the case. However, your acting on that show was amorphous you fell into that character and i i want to know what you want in 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 terms of like uh do do you sit around and 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 think about soliloquies or or different promos if act into the into the mirror do you uh think about characters that you want to play um i have you know I'm i'm a writer i've always sort of seen myself as a writer first a playwright i've had about 15 productions produced over the years. I haven't Great. in a while. I haven't in a long time. Um, I've been working, but I've been working on my own series, uh, mainly comedy, sci-fi comedy, sketch comedy. I don't know if Jai told you, but my brother and I, my other brother and I have a sketch comedy, sci-fi sketch comedy channel on YouTube um, oh. called The Nether Region. Uh, so, I mean, it's always... No, he pretty much just called you an asshole all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised he was talking about you. Sure. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, that, that, there was never an unkind word that ever uttered out of that man's mouth. Will you uh, will you say the n- title of that again so everybody can uh, check that out? It's called the Nether Region. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, we haven't done any new content in you know two or three years, but we still have it up. Uh, we've got fifty, sixty pieces up there. A lot of them are really bad, dorky, and some of them are we're pretty proud of, but. Um, I don't know. So in, in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, performance, in terms of acting, it's, um, sorry, man, I'm trying to sort of digest this all and give you a decent. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I threw you a huge, huge chunk of, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really appreciate your comment about, you know, um, Jody being more, by the way, they aged me up for that role. I don't know. if you. <laughs> I wonder Just about so that know. kind of stuff. Cause I always think about. Uh, what John Spencer said, um, and uh, of course he was he was a you know he was I don't know what like he was the uh, FBI agent prick in The Rock, and then he right. was the uh, White House chief of staff in uh, The West Wing for all those years until he just he passed away, and I just remember him saying you know like there are some roles that you're not going to get and you're going to wonder why and then you're going to one day be a well-known thing and you're going to go, why couldn't I get these roles when I was younger? And just because people, I mean, I think you can just exude some of that maturity that needs to play into those characters when you have hit that, hit that mark in time and in your own personal growth. So, well, you know, Franco Nero, you know, who Franco Nero is um, Italian actor. Anyway, stands a uh, chance. <clears throat> did a lot of a lot of Italian westerns things but he would um um the original Django among other things oh okay original like, Django yeah he would age himself up for all the, these roles cuz he figured if i age myself up now 
people will think I've been this age for the last 50 years. So fascinating. Uh, yeah. But, you know, um, so I, I, yeah, you, you know, and in terms of what they did with Jody, they, they, we had flashback scenes. So they thought, Oh, good. Yes. We, we need to go somewhere in the middle. Oh, we, okay. We need to go make him older for the present so that we can make him younger for the flashback. So I'm somewhere between what you saw in the flashbacks and what you saw in the present, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they have all these, you know, charts and all these photographs and Polaroids so they can figure out exactly where the lines go and the scars go and so on and so forth, you know? Uh, in terms of what you were saying about maturity and how that plays into the characters, I... I mean, when I was younger, I certainly was much more what they would call method, what you'd call method. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. uh, what does I'm that not, mean to anybody that doesn't know? Oh, uh, it's basically a series of uh, oh, exercises and uh, ways to put uh, – you're basically, instead of acting, you're trying to become the character – I think like the yeah. best example mm-hmm. is always um, D- Dustin Hoffman and uh, Olivier in The Running Man, where Hoffman stays awake for several days uh, mm-hmm. so that his character has this tired, mean look. And Olivier says, my dear boy, it'd be easier just to act. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> that's, that's a good. That, that, that's, that's, a, you know, awesome. that's it. You know, yeah, and, and and sometimes it's easier. Like I did a, I have a movie that I'm, I'm a producer on that Arrow Video um, is releasing here in less than a month. Mm-hmm. That I'm very excited about called The Dead Center, right? And in this movie, um, says there's just two people on that with you. Beg your pardon now. When I was pulling up the IMDb for that, it says it's just like you and one other one other guy. Unless I'm looking at the wrong thing. I think you might be. A lot it's of times IMDb cast. doesn't have everything listed until it's... Is this something that's in post or is it... Uh... No, it's done. It should be. Okay. It's, on, it's on IMDb. Gotcha. It's, it's, it's Shane Carruth. It's uh, one, one, uh, one word, dead center. Gotcha. <clears throat> we'll look at that too. But, but for instance, uh, there's a scene where I'm shooting where the character... Is dead and he comes back to life, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're discovering him in this uh, freezer, and he walks out of this freezer with nothing but plastic, and wanders down the hallway of um, this hospital. And instead of acting, I thought it'd be easier if I'm just really shivering. So I had them take me to an actual freezer that they had in the hospital, and I stood there with nothing on until they called action, so I could wandered down the halls really shivering. I'm not going to say I've seen that done, but I've seen that kind of work done. Well, it's easier. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Actor, I mean, it's, it's not like I'm saying, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm a real method actor. It's me saying, I'm lazy. I don't feel like that. <laughs> it's one thing I keep telling people when we're filming stuff and they're like, oh, Colin, do you have police belts? Do you have badges? I'm like, yes, I do. I have them. They are available to the production. If I'm hired, if you rent, if you want to rent them, I'm rent. I'll rent them to your show. But uh, you know, if you want cops that look like cops, you need to get real cops. And it happens. People are constantly hiring the cops right off of the ITC. That's intermittent traffic control. For anybody who doesn't know, 
or whatever. Like, yeah, if you want, if you want good looking cops, hire real cops and then try to make Denzel look like a cop or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was saying though, is, you know, the older I get, I think the more life experience I have. So I, I don't really, it's easier just sort of to click into things. So I don't feel like I need, I I feel like I I can act more if that makes sense as opposed to, you know, putting more and more, you know, stock into the method thing. You know, it's just me. Now, if you're doing something that is completely out of your, that's a whole different thing, you know. Something out mm-hmm. of your particular experience, like, yeah. What, what yeah. do you mean, like you're gonna like being a deep sea diver or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, yeah. yeah. Then, then it's different. It's like then you know those those techniques become very important. Um, I mean, I think those techniques are always important. I mean, at, you, you get ready to shoot, you know, and if you're not the first one who's getting coverage, you're relying on. By the time they get to you, man, after lunch. Oh, dude, you've been yeah. for eight hours. You got nothing but technique. You know, it's <laughs> the organic. You know, it's gone. You know, everything yes. organic has dissipated. Now you're just hoping that it looks and sounds right. You know, <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why actors always want to get shot out first. By the way, if you, if you didn't know that, I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm always at odds when I am actually on set when I'm not you know, working on a show away from set, uh, as a crew person, <laughs> all right, when are we going to get this shot? It's time to go to lunch or it's <laughs> whatever, you know, calling grace. And then I get, I get a lot of young people that don't understand why, you know, why are we, why are we taking this meal penalty or whatever? And it's like, Hey man, as long as they don't swing a lens, as long as they don't move a light, let it's the performance at that point. You've got to we got to get out of the shot, but the performers have to be able to get what they need. And yeah. uh, God help us if someone in background is messing that up. But I always <laughs> like to. I, I always treat. I always try to treat everybody with that. You know, they're they're doing a relevant thing also. But uh, of course, you can second unit some things, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You got to get those. You got to get the it's the kind of sh- jobs I get up here. It's not you just don't get those reshoot days, you know. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think those are rarer, rarer and rarer anyway, man. Now, everything, it's like somebody you, you, you get some hot shot that comes out of film school and is able to do with one hundred thousand dollars in seven days what. You know, nobody could accomplish for less than three hundred thousand dollars in four weeks. You know what I'm saying? And that becomes the new standard. Um, oh my God! Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's what happens, man. Yeah. It happens with everything. You know? I want, I want those weeks and months long, long jobs. The golden age of me working on August Osage County, and it's like we're gonna live up in this town, and everybody gets to know one another, and. Make it yeah, run. it's great. It's great when that happens. Dude, I love yeah. it. Mm. What do you know, Josh? I know a lot of things, and I'm just loving hearing you guys <laughs> just talk about the business because uh, I can keep talking, but Colin is one of the only people that can get me to shut the fuck up. And <laughs> when he talks, when he talks business, acting wise, production wise. 
I, I just get so fascinated, especially when you were talking earlier about where like that Atlanta is better than uh, L.A. right now. And I remember him telling me a couple of years ago that, you know, how bad it was getting that they couldn't film there because of money wise. And they were going to places that they weren't using union work. And uh, it, it was a big it was a big son bitch. Uh, is uh, you got any stories from that sort of uh, perspective? I think that Atlanta, I mean, more production. See, Atlanta has done more production because I think all the MCU stuff is shot there. Yeah. So in terms of the the number of TV shows and things like that, I think L.A. is still the winner. Uh, I think, what, 90% of the commercial film market, like commercials, are shot in L.A. Is that something, does that sound about right? I really, I can't, it sounds good right to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you see I'm, the same bridge going from what, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the highway, but you see that same bridge in every car commercial and sure, right. it's one yeah. of those things. Commercials and, and I have never been very good friends. So. Oh, man. Yeah. What else, what else are you working on that's upcoming? I see a few things on your IMDb page. That is, or coming up, do you have anything else that you want to talk about or any, anything of the new projects about to come out that uh, you're really passionate about? I'm, I'm very excited about the Dead Center. We we worked long and hard on that. That was, um, that was actually a concept that came out of a, an idea of a radio show that my friend Billy Sinise wrote mm-hmm. uh, and that we did, God, years ago. Um, it's this crew is the same crew. Well, Billy and, and, and John Rogers, these guys that are brothers, sort of brothers in arms that we, we came up shooting these shorts. And then we had a, a film called closer to God, which was my first like lead in a legitimate, you know, low budget, but legitimate, um, you know, film. And then every, every film we're able to, you know, in, increase the budget and increase the the standard and push it a little further. And uh, I I collect a lot of physical media, um, Shout Factory stuff, a Criterion collection, uh-huh. and Arrow and Arrow Video is one of my favorites to collect. And Arrow mm-hmm. saw our film and they are actually pushing us. They're, they're, they oh, are nice. Just, yeah. So that's that's been pretty huge and, and cool to see. Yeah. What are some of the aspects about the project that you're like so passionate about? Just um, the fact that uh, I don't know the, the the theme of the piece is I'm a big first and foremost I'm a, I'm a big horror fan um, and this is really feels like a, a decent throwback to like seventies um, <laughs> like horror like 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 Hammer film that sort of thing. It's funny you bring up Hammer film because I'm a I'm a diehard Hammer nut, but not not. I'm hammer. a diehard Hammer fan too. You guys are <laughs> very much disappointing me. It's not the fact of what you like. It's anytime any one horror guy encounters another horror guy, they square off for a second, like like <laughs> like dogs or cats, and then they're like, I can't believe I found another guy that likes this, and it's ridiculous because everybody like likes that. horror. It's not a, it's and you guys are not freaking out, so. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, yeah, if no. You, if you know well, Hammer, you know what's up. Oh, I know it, yeah. Well, dude, dude the reason I wanted to become an actor was because of Christopher Lee. It oh, that's a nice of, thing, yeah. 
I, I watched, uh, uh, it was The Scars of Dracula when I was a little kid, way, way too young to be watching that. Friday night, they had something in Colorado Springs called Shock Theater. And I was watching Shock Theater by myself on a Friday night in the basement with the lights off. And he scared me so bad that I had to sit there and rationalize the fact that, okay, that vampires aren't real. Um, he's not really <laughs> a vampire. He's an actor. He's pretending to do this. And then the concept, the, the idea that somebody could pretend to be something they aren't and it would affect me in a real way was something my young mind could not grasp. And I just thought about that and thought about that. And finally it's like, that's what I want to do. That's crazy that anybody can have that kind of power. I want to do that too, you know? And then the fact that, you know, he's, he's, he was tall and there aren't a lot of tall actors in this industry. We get, you know, relegated to, you know, big dumb guys or whatever. But you, then you got Christopher Lee, who's got uh, an incredibly impressive resume. You know, he's done everything. I think, sure has, I think they said he's done the most movie. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they like they were talking about him and like he's one of the, the actors that's done the most movies ever. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, I listened to an interview with him and they brought that up and he's like, yeah, but I just, you know, just played little bit parts in most of them. So, I mean, he totally deflected it, which was like, yeah, this is why. And I started reading his, uh, his autobiography and got about hundred pages into it, man. It's hard. It's a hard read. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is he? Is he like, does it start out with how much of a drunk he was and beating up his wife or is it just really boring? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's nothing like that. It, it, it just, it gets into a bunch of English, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, aristocracy. Oh yeah. Like, and you know, and, and he's very, I mean, I, I see myself as being a pretty intelligent guy, but half the words he used, I didn't know. It's like, what does that mean? Okay. We're going to look that way. So no, it was, <laughs> It was just what it was like. Okay, this is a lot harder than reading Burt Reynolds, uh, you know, autobiography, which I also read and enjoyed. <laughs> of James, Garner. like James Garner was a lot easier. Johnny Cash was a lot easier. It's like Christmas James, Day, I man. All, I got to meet James all, Garner once. It was so nice. He came back. He's one of my heroes, man. Yeah. If, uh, next time, if you're if you're in Oklahoma, you're in Norman. Go down there. No, one of my be- dude, yeah. one of my best friends in the world lives in Norman. And I visited him on a couple, so I got pictures of me by the the statue. The That's statue great. on Main Street. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What a guy! My goodness. Yeah, he used to be his neighbor. My buddy, his name was Jeff Lewis. He's a uh, like the king of. The, I'm also a huge Elvis fan. And my oh buddy yeah. Jeff Lewis is like the king of the ETA world, the Elvis tribute artist world. Nice. Um, like he was in charge of all the after parties this year at Graceland and the whole nine yards. The guys become a, a legend in just a few short years in, in that community. Uh, but he, yeah, he was, uh, is James Garner's uh, neighbor growing up. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> and then my dad, you know, my dad was such a, and that's where I get it from. My dad was such a big James Garner fan. So, I mean, I've got his entire filmography and as well as, you know, Maverick and <clears throat> the other mm-hmm. TV shows, and all that. But anyway, yeah. 
talking about James Garner here. On a, what, are, uh, what are some of your other big inspirations? That's awesome that you're talking Christopher Lee, James Garner. What else? What, what else gets you going? Um, I love. You know, it's so funny, man. I love Steve McQueen. I know that's a cliche thing to say. Hell no. Not at all, man. That's awesome. Fast cars, badass dudes, hot chicks. Yeah, there's nothing cliche about that at all. (laughs) I think a lot of of that (laughs) ties into my father because my dad was – was was a gearhead um, and the coolest dude you'd ever want to meet. And he he told me uh, he he died passed away in, in 2016, and he had told me, oh, within the last ten years that when he was in his twenties, that um, he was trying to figure out whether he was going to go to Bethany, Oklahoma to go to college or go to Los Angeles to be an actor, and I had no idea. No idea, no clue. So it's like, oh, obviously that's where that comes from. But he yep. loved TV and he loved movies, and I grew up watching those guys with him. So it's it's hard for me. It's it's all sort of part and parcel. It's like those guys are my favorite, but I know that also you know ties in somehow to my relationship with my father. Now I I, I discovered Brando on my own. He didn't really like Brando, and Brando, of course, is every actor who's being honest has to admit that, you know, they love Brando. Um, so there are two types of people, those who love Brando and those who lie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not particularly cool to like, but you like him, you know, or you lie. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, I probably should have made out a list because we'll get done. And I'm like, ah, I didn't even mention so-and-so or so-and-so. Uh, <laughs> you can always come back. We, you can always come we back. We love repeat business. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but, uh, yeah, Steve Martin has had a big influence on me. I mean, I don't know how it all fits into this casserole in terms of what I do. I'm not sure that you you see me, you know, do my thing and think, oh, I see a little bit of Bill Murray and Steve Martin. I don't think it's just people I like, you know, that Robin Williams. I love Robin Williams, you know. Um I don't know, man. Uh, I think that's cool, though, because these are all people who, you know, you've got, oh, this guy's a comic, and that guy's a comic, and this guy's a comic. I mean, everybody kind of, I think, forgets that Tom Hanks was a comic, and he's a living legend now, you know? He's been in all kinds of stuff, and... Michael Keaton was a comic. Yeah, I mean, people have, you, you know, the range extends itself, uh, to where you know, oh yeah, give him a chance to be Batman, and uh, sure. whatever you know, it goes a long way. Yeah, these yeah. those I love, funny I love, guys. I love Brian Dennehy for some reason. I he's love Brian been, Dennehy. He's always been one of my favorite character actors. I'm yeah. a big fan of his daughter, who was in one I... what two Star Trek episodes, <laughs> and that was it. That was all. <laughs> oh man, I'm a Trekkie too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we talk a lot about Star Trek on the on our show. Oh, really? Because oh, yeah. I'm, I'm it's, TOS man. I'm I like um, I'm, in, I'm I'm an embarrassing fan. Like my entire room is full of Diamond Select, and <laughs> I, have, I have Shatner and Nimoy and um, uh, DeForest. I have all their autographs. Oh, know. that's legit. I don't have any D Kelly stuff, and I I I was I was online the other day, several days ago now, and. 
somebody in a in a trading card group that I'm in for Star Trek gaming cards uh, had assigned Jimmy Dewan, and I was like, I I've got to run this past the guy to figure out whether or not that's real. And uh, I'm not in the market to pick anything up, but it's one of those scary things where you're just like, that's that fits within my vein of collecting. I don't just need an eight by ten glossy. I want that. And uh, yeah, but these things come up and they go uh, again. You speak. You talk. We talked about props earlier, and I was. Uh, I'm I'm attached to the prop store of London uh, Facebook posts and. Um, I saw a display case, and since you're talking about you know Diamond Select and everything, there's a, an art asylum. So uh, one of the things that I got really excited about when I lived in L.A., I was working for Star Trek, uh, doing the prop auctions that lasted for several years. So we did the Christie's auction and then the uh, the retail store It's a Wrap auction, and. Uh, one of the one of, it, it, they got to the point on the series where they had made five phasers for oh, wow. uh, Enterprise, and they were really expensive. It cost about in man hours and material and all of the work. They were about twenty five hundred dollars each God to damn. have made. And then they yeah. were like, "Yeah, we can't do this because we can't. We got to put these in the hands of of." Uh, not first team. We have to put these in the hands of background performers and stuff. So then <clears throat> Art Asylum came in and they they made a uh, only 20% uh, smaller version of the same weapon, the same phase pistol, and then they marketed it with a communicator. And then they were like, cool, let's buy a bunch of those, give them a little gloss, and then those are going to be our phasers now. So you have actual toys like crazy that were uh, selling no kid, authentic that's props. Crazy, dude. Yeah, because I, I have those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got the same one, and I, I never did get a uh, communicator, but I I was in a. You, you have do you have the the um, trying to remember the brand, but it's uh, it's actually a Bluetooth. Oh right, uh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have that too. And oh, then, that's uh, red. The phaser, I have the actual phaser, a duplicate of the phaser from the original series that actually can also work as a channel changer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, too. Yeah. It seems like they market something new like that every so often. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, fun, it's funny to me because I, I, would, I would think that, you know, the fans of the original series especially are getting fewer and far between, you know. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, even when you had the J.J. Abrams iteration of the characters, I think the legacy of the characters goes on whether or not we have any new content. And maybe out. it introduces, a, you know, the original series to people uh-huh. who would. I, I am not. I have to say, though, for the record, I am not a fan of Discovery at all. I think it's a piece of crap. It's got some serious problems. Well, it's not Star Trek. Actually, it really is my, my brother asked me about that the other day. He's like, is it bad? I'm like, you know what? It is not a bad sci-fi show, but it's absolutely positively not a Star Trek show. And yeah. that's what's almost offensive to me. It's I got like, the same complaint doing, about the J.J. Abrams ones. Nothing. You're doing nothing. See I, I see, I felt different about those, but I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I disagree, but I understand. Discovery, it felt like they were just... Of course, they ripped off the video game, number one. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're just 
we're going to use this name to to bring in viewers. It's like, why don't you just do your own sci-fi thing and not offend Star Trek fans? Yeah, That's my thing. I I I, my, I think my my beef with it on that note is the uh, is the political circumstances. It's kind of crazy because, and you know, I don't want to draw you into something that I feel like, but uh, um, I just saw so many posts from uh, Jason Isaacs about. Hey, this is what we're doing, and this is the direction we're going, and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're basically taking Star Trek, which has always had an agenda that was openness and peace and yeah, a yeah, humanitarian yeah. concept, and now you're making it an agenda piece about whatever the contemporary irritated side of the of the uh, of the media is right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, uh, I'm triggered by this conversation already. <laughs> you need to you need to you need to go to your safe space, and I hope it's the brig. <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> I gotta get my comfort animal. <laughs> I hope it's a tribble. Uh, you beat me to it. Uh, I mean, but it was it was low hanging fruit, so I'm like, <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's, I'm, too, I'm too good to take it. I'm not gonna do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> too good to take. All right. <laughs> I just showed no, my, my my ten uh, year old um, the Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations recently, and yeah. uh, he was not terribly familiar with the TOS characters. So it was kind of cool that uh, he got to see the Deep Space Nine characters fascinated by getting to interact with TOS characters, and yeah. uh, somehow or another that really really works. And it's like when you watch those episodes, uh, when you watch that episode, it's super cute and it's super fun. But then, like, I know there were some iffy complaints from some of the actors on Enterprise when they did original series type stuff in the Mirror Universe. Because I know one guy in particular was like, we shouldn't be resting on the laurels of the previous show. We should just be propelling what we're doing into the future. And I'm like, I get that. But, like, dude, this, yeah, it's ratings and... It's a lot yeah. of stuff, and people want to see that. And they w- you're leading the story into that, so you've got to play ball and yeah. go into the future. Well, and it's so unfortunate too, because I, I for one, loved Enterprise. Um, it's my, it's, I felt, yeah, I love it. I mean, Enterprise may be my favorite after TOS. I mean, it's between Enterprise and Next Generation. What a gutsy for, thing to say! I don't hear that from anybody besides me. Oh really? You're the first one I've heard say it. I, I assumed it was I was going to get an argument out of you. For that. I mean, I love Deep Space Nine. I think Deep Space Nine is probably the best uh, Star Trek series. It's the I think it's honestly I think it's the gutsiest one. But then um, that's what jo- my, better bro- than, my brother better Josh than next says. Gen? Yeah, yeah, it's really gutsy. I mean, in the end, uh, you're going to have to start watching it ultimately, Josh. But we'll get to that. I mean, the thing being that yeah, yeah Enterprise. Uh, had the same guts, I think, uh, and I just don't think it got given the the uh, appropriate amount of attention it needed. And no. then, unfortunately, well, and that, that final episode was a slap in the face. Too. Oh, completely! I, yeah, that was really hard to take. I just it, it was when I, it was like this is so disrespectful. They've done a they've done a they've created a great show here, and you're going to come in and do this. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, I just I thought it was absurd, um, but I still I mean it's still TOS I, you know best that's the thing it's like 
when it comes to, to the, the Star Trek universe, I'm resting on what I enjoy the most. Sure. I, I, grew, I grew up with TOS. That's my favorite, always will be. It's got a special place in my heart. Enterprise. Uh, I like Deep Space Nine better than I like Voyager, you know. But it's a completely, it's a, the rest of them are wagon train to the stars. And that one's like gun smoke, you know, it's all contained. Yeah. It doesn't I, feel like, it's like, yeah, it's Star Trek, but it's not. It's hard to compare it to the rest of them because it's a I, different thing. You know, I mean, like they, they said uh, Deep Space Nine was the Rifleman. And I got into watching the Rifleman because I was like, OK, cool. I want to see that Gunsmoke, theme work. Dude, it's it's Gunsmoke. It's, yeah, I'm big on big, these old Westerns, too. Um, <laughs> really, you. <laughs> my mom my mom taught me the difference that the, the Rifleman was where it was at. Like that was <laughs> and, and the, the, rifle, the Rifleman is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunsmoke is Classic. It was well. It's the longest running TV show of all time, uh, with with the same cast over twenty yeah. years. Oh wow! Yeah, right. I mean, Gunsmoke is an institution. Um, I mean, in terms of the the coolest of them all, it's Wanted Dead or Alive. Let's be honest. I mean, it's not the <laughs> but in terms of the best of the westerns from that era, it's Gunsmoke and Bonanza. And I love Rifleman, but it's a, it's more kiddie. That's the thing. It's like Rifleman yeah, is sense. something that is something that you can watch with your kids after school. Mm-hmm. Gunsmoke is not something they're they're tackling adult issues, and that was their whole thing. Even back in the fifties, is like this is an adult show. This isn't it for kids. So make your kids leave. You know, I have I have to ruin this with a Simpsons reference. Uh, the Simpsons went to the mall to see the stars of Bonanza, and just two Indians came out dancing to the Bonanza theme, and they're like, you know, in the show, we were always trying to kill the Cartwrights. Boo! (laughs) 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 Like, if only all these, like, they listed everyone off, like, everyone was dead. (laughs) (laughs) If only they were here. (laughs) God, that's great. Oh, wow. So I'm on this Western set a couple weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm walking uh, to the van after I've shot, and one of the crew guys hollers at, out at me and goes, if they were to ever, ever remake um, Bonanza, you you should be play Hoss. And I got on that van, and I'm like, okay, that's when my diet started. Because I'm like, oh, wow, I did not have <laughs> this idea that I had gained that much weight. Because I had gained weight for a I've done this too much. I think it's like, I can't be doing it anymore because it's harder and harder, but I gained a lot of weight for a, uh, as a short that has, is actually, I guess, turning into a feature, um, mm-hmm. right before preacher. And I had okay. still had that weight, weight on me when I, when I auditioned for preacher. So I tried to work out. So I had some muscle under the fat for preacher, but still I was carrying all that fat around. And then after preacher, I got a little lazy. <laughs> so it's like this was a wake up call. I, I, I know I, we're. Know. I know we're talking about bonanza, but I had you pegged more for a Festus. Yes. <laughs> Festus <laughs> just man. fucking with you, man. I'm no, just I, fucking with you, man. <laughs> that's what I'd want, man. Festus, that's the character. He's from, uh, you gotta get he's that, from Oklahoma, you know. That ten cool. gallon hat, man. You can't mess with that. I saw him in a rodeo in. Um, it might have been Norman, actually. I saw him in a rodeo. Mm-hmm. Man, I've been yeah. to a rodeo. I, I can't think of the last time I got to go to a rodeo. I was a little no. kid. I was a little kid. We go every year here. Those things are amazing. 
don't miss a, don't miss the the rodeo. You're in Colorado Springs, right? Yes, sir. I'm in Colorado Springs. Gotcha. There's just so many angsty people hating on stuff like that now. You know. Ah. There ah. are. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with this. I mean, <laughs> I know cruelty to animals or something, or what's going on. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff, and it's just yeah, it's more like cruelty to children trying to ride their sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Those poor little kids, like, hey, kid, uh, you're about to ride this sheep. Wait, what am I doing? <laughs> and the kid that holds on long enough, and uh, you're in the mud, and okay, we're good. But that's what we got to do. How, how do we? Uh, Go ahead, sorry. How do we find you on social media? Uh, Instagram is, you know what? So I'm going to get this right because you know last last year. Preacher asked me to take over their Instagram page for one day. And, um, yeah, yeah, and I had this huge opportunity to, you know, get people over to Twitter and to, uh, and, and to bring people to my Instagram page. And I blew it because I got both my Twitter and Instagram accounts wrong. (laughs) So I had this great opportunity that I completely blew. That's how much of a, social media guru i am i say that i mean i go on there uh i'm gonna make sure i get it right here uh sure thing yeah instagram is uh, instagram is jeremy dot childs dot 357 all lowercase Oh yeah, <clears throat> I think my Twitter is just Jeremy Childs, or, or actually, I think my Twitter is JW Childs too. Yep, I found you. Just added you. There you are. That's quick. <laughs> That's impressive. Let me find you on the minefields. At, at JW Childs too is my Twitter. Twitter handles. Man, I didn't well, start any- twittering until we started doing podcasting. <laughs> yeah, no, I've not been tw- I mean, I Instagram, I started my Instagram account. Well, I think it oh man, I've had it for for less than 2 years anyway. It's it's well, fascinating. Any- I, I need to get to a point where it's not a pain in the butt though, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have so many actor friends who just love it, man. They love it. And here's here's a pet peeve of mine, and I'll, I'll let it go. Um, but I notice have you, have you seen this? Actors will post pictures of themselves and then have hashtag actors life. Have you seen this? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. I, I have. I have. I don't know why it annoys me. It's like, I don't know why it bugs me, but it does. It's like, I, I don't understand what good this is going to do. Hashtag actors life. Like, people are going to go to a Twitter feed and look for your hashtag or something. I don't get it. I, it is stuff like that, you know. And I've got loads of uh, the loads of uh, just watch myself so I don't alienate anybody. But like you know, the the vanities people who are always hashtagging everything, and it's like it's just that's that's a whole thing. I don't even have the energy to do all of that stuff when I'm on set. Also, I probably signed an NDA, and um, I right. don't need. <laughs> You wouldn't believe how many people are after you for work. And, 
like, oh, you're working on something? I wish I was working on something. And it, you got all these other people out there who are just like, look at me. I'm glamming it up over here next to the crafty table. You know, yeah, yeah. nobody cares. Yes. Or do they? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's it's. I just don't oh, want to well, be that guy. Yeah, no, I don't either. I guess for me, it's more along the lines of, for instance, if you know, if I had, you know, I don't know, ten thousand followers or something, I think I'd be a lot more motivated. Yeah, you know? um, well, I, I I probably would take more pictures. But like this thing I just did, it's like I can't. I took some pictures, but I can't post them because I signed an NDA. You know, so it's like I guess next year at some point, I had you know great photographs from Preacher, but I couldn't <laughs> post them until after the show came out. Yeah, I feel wow. the same way. I, you know, I, I, I don't even like to bother anybody on set. If I'm working with somebody that's even if they're super chill, I don't let them know. You know, I was a big fan until the last day or something like that. Or oh yeah, you me, know, me you me sticking me. around for the rap party? No, okay, cool. Well, hey, let me know. I just want to let you know I really liked you in this and blah blah blah. And because I don't want to mess with the working relationship. No, no, I think that's. I think you're right, and I think that's very important. I'm the same way. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, the first day I was on set, um, I met Ethan and and, uh, and uh, Steve. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, and I, especially Steve, I mean, I, those guys are great. You know? How was that whiskey, by the way? It was good. You know, it's weird. <laughs> so the whiskey was good. Um, however, it's, it's weird because that's really expensive whiskey. And like, you had like, uh, Tennessee whiskey, uh, Jack Daniels. That's I found all this. What I'm getting to is I found this bourbon called Early. It's called Early Morning. It's a Kentucky whiskey, and you can get like a gallon of it for ten bucks. Whoa! Oh Jesus! It's I'm like jo- that. I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's really it's, good. It's, it's like it's, that it's, uh, stallion whiskey. Uh, how much you have to drink for you go blind for a day? No, it's, it's called early. It's called early times, and it's oh yeah, that stuff. Uh huh. It's it's a smoother whiskey than any of these expensive whiskeys I've I've tried. I'm not a big bourbon guy, but for some reason, I don't know why. I'm not a bourbon guy. I'm not even a big drinker, but for some reason, people like to give me flasks, and they think I am. So I've ended up like I've had moonshine with with um, John Prine. Um, I've had, you know, whiskey with all these famous people, you know, just because that's what you do, I guess, you know, um, yeah. but early times, man, that's like, I think my favorite one of them and it's cheaper and it's smoother and it's, you know, not $30 for 16 ounces. You know? Jesus, I'm not going to tell you what I drink. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to I just had a Canadian. Whole... I, I I had a Canadian mist problem for the past ten years. Oh, that's one of my favorites, man. Jai introduced me to it. It's my it's my favorite. It, it tastes like pure gasoline, but if you pour it over ice on the rocks, it's it's so fucking smooth. But well, it's got uh, a smoky. It's got a nice smoky aftertaste, though. Yeah, it, it does. Pee. But I'm down with that. It, it, even then, like some of the best nights of my life slash absolute worst nights of my life were thanks to the mist. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. No, my brother, my, my dad, and my brother uh, introduced me to that years ago. It's like, you need to try this. I'm like, it's from Canada. Why would I drink a whiskey from Canada when you got Kentucky and Tennessee? It's like, just try it. Speaking of Jai, when I first <laughs> met him, he pulls up, 
pulls up to work in this old ass Mustang. I'm like, motherfucker, you're driving this to work? What are you, yeah. John Wick? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm working on it. <laughs> he kind of is John Wick. He would never admit it, but he kind of is in a way. Oh man, uh, I, I gotta he, tell you, man. He's uh, got about he's got about a half a dozen really badass cars. By the way, that yeah, he is does. that's not the coolest one. I love Jeez. his Jeep. I love his Jeep. I remember one night I was coming. We were leaving work, and I, I like I left like a little bit later than he did, and I, I go outside and it's like fucking ten degrees outside, and he's flashlight in the in the uh, in the uh, in the in the Wrangler, and I'm like, all right, my sister's got one of these knuckles cracked. Let's do this. <laughs> and he's like, I, I just I just need some light, but man, the guy is a sweetheart, man. Like uh, when he cut his hair, uh, unfortunately after the funeral and and I'm sorry about your loss, my friend. Um, when he cut his hair, I was fucking pissed. And he's like, why are you so mad? And I'm like, dude, you look straight eighties. He has this perfect eighties quaff when his hair's that long. And like, and he just pissed me off. Like I was literally, I I was literally thinking about your hair last week and was going to compliment you. When you got back and you come back with this monstrosity, like, <laughs> don't don't want anything to do. And and he would always, uh, he'd always buy me a cigarette. And he's got the coolest boots and and yeah. just uh, all the boots are my dad's. He just stole them. <laughs> None of the boots are his. It's funny. I was with Jai uh, beginning of last month. We went to Los Angeles because I got. Um, Sam Catlin, who's one of the creators of Preacher, uh, invited me to a, um, a party he was having at his house. And I'm like, I don't really want to go, but I mean, be good to see everybody again when I'm going to have a chance. I called up Jai. I'm like, hey, you want to go to this party with me? And he's like, yeah. So anyway, we uh, so we, we flew into oh, wherever Disney World is because we're staying at this hotel that's connected to Disney. Anyway, yeah. There you go. So we're staying at this hotel, it's, and we're a mile and a half from Disney World. And um, everybody's walking around with these Mickey Mouse ears, and I asked the concierge or somebody, it's like, are we close to Disneyland? Or like, and he just looked at me funny and walked away, because I had no idea that we were like a mile and a half. It was just cheap. It was cheap to fly into John Wayne and stay at the airport. Anyway, to make a long story short, Jai's hair has gotten really, really long again. And he put it up in a ponytail. Oh, um, no. Well, he was just put it in a ponytail because he liked the way it hangs, and he was going to take the rubber band out. And I'm like, no, 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 keep, keep the ponytail, man. Keep the ponytail. It's like, that looks pretty badass. Like, Are you serious? I'm like, absolutely, keep the ponytail. So, <laughs> he, he, anyway, nobody who's <laughs> listening to this podcast is going to care about any of this stuff except for us. Doesn't no, matter. No, no. It's all content, you know, and if we didn't want to use it, we cut around it. Not, not at all. Uh, we just, we just really appreciate your time. Is there anything that you want to add before we wind down? Oh, there's probably something, man, but I, I don't <laughs> know what it is right now, off the top of my head. <laughs> well, if if you don't mind, uh, if you if you had a good time, um, if you ever on set and get a wild hair up your ass about something really fun that happened on set, we would we'll always do as much time as you want. And you tell us what set you're working on and who you met and, and what you learned. And we will always be happy to have you as an on-site correspondent. All right, man. That sounds fun. Yeah, sounds man. Fun. I'm getting ready to do multiple things this year and uh, and next year. And I'm and we there are some major jobs coming up up here. I'm going to see if I can visit with some of those folks and 
this is this is Oklahoma, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got I this Scorsese it, movie coming in. So oh, badass! badass. I'm trying to get attached. Very and then, cool. uh, but I, yeah, I'm so I was curious about sorry? that. I mean, if, if I were to get an ad, like uh, get an agent or extend it to Oklahoma, because I got people I can stay with there. Mm-hmm. Colin's got a couch. Colin's got a good couch. Yeah, well, I, I got a mother and, and uh, all kinds of cousins and aunts and uncles, but um, in Edmond anyway. But so there, so you guys are getting some decent stuff there. Then. Yeah, off and on. I mean, we did a that last year was weird. We had a a, a, a rash of faith based stories that had a lot of money behind them, but for some reason didn't flip, and that just hacked me off. I mean, there's no reason for them not to flip, but. The, you know, so there's money behind it, and then we got a we got a uh, yeah I got that Josh, and then we <laughs> we got um, uh, I don't know every once in a while we'll get like hey here's a 23 mil or something like that, and uh, or here's a here's a 2.35 or something like that. We got a we had this idiot stream of no of tier zero shows this year, and I skipped out on all of them. Every one of them wanted me to come work on them, and I was like, "Guys, I'm not going to do it because you're at, you're when you're talking about that kind of money and you're talking about what I'm going to be making, then that means that everybody else in my department is going to be making nothing. So, yes. you know, you're talking about actually paying your electricians less than minimum wage. That's a oh, bunch yeah. of crap. So I'm just like, no, you know, I'm not doing it. I ended up moving over to Tulsa." Hanging out with my son a lot more and taking a job at this uh, fabrication place. So we're we're building stuff for museums and for like Shriners commercials and oh, I don't know what all kinds of stuff. And then I, uh, um, yeah, I we're we're talking about there's a tornado movie coming up. That I don't know if anybody's in it. Uh, they just had a massive like country uh, country western musician starring piece. In Tahlequah, um, Reba and like one of the dudes, they all look alike. I don't know what they, all of these, you know, those guys, Dwight Yoakam, or I have no idea. Um, And Wes Studi was in it, and a freak, we love him here, you know. Um, Yeah, Oklahoma does love Wes Studi, man. Oh, yeah. He's such a pleasant dude to be around. Uh, He must be be from there, right? Is that it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's from Oklahoma. and, I saw my mom. She gave me a newspaper article about West Studi. She cut out the paper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. he's definitely from here. I mean, I went to school with. Uh, I went to high school with uh, one of his kids, and I. I don't really know if I have anything to say about him other than that. But uh, um, it's just yeah, you know the the local roots and things like that. But then yeah, we're talking about this killer of the flower killers of the flower moon is a Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio coming up next year. And uh, like I said, we get this tornado movie. This is no, we're we, we're well past where we're gonna cut out of the recording here because I don't really need to wash the world and hey, here's speculation on and rumor mill, but um. We yeah. got that, and then it's a tornado movie, and then there's this Matt Damon movie that's uh, filming the uh, the bookends at the beginning and at the end of the movie. They're filming the rest of it in France right now, so I don't know. I've been in contact with people about doing props on a bunch of stuff, and then they they went with a different production designer for the tornado movie. And as soon as I heard that, I was really like crestfallen. It's like I'm gonna go do one of these other bigger shows and fill my cap account and get my IATSE, you know. 
health and welfare back up to where it needs to be and stuff like that. So, yeah. But, uh, dude, yeah, for real. I mean, that's the beauty of working I, I, in Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I just thought I just thought about this. I got a De Niro story. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is a good one. It's a pretty good one. So um, my brother Josh is also an actor. And we've done, oh, two or three things where we – comedies where we're kind of like the comic relief, the mm-hmm. two of us. And we got cast in this movie called The War with Grandpa, which is a Robert De Niro movie with, uh, I mean, you can look it up. There's got lots of big people in it. Uh, Uma cool. Thurman and um, all these people. Anyway, just we play these two EMTs. We only had a few few lines. Um, but we found out that we were, it was just the two of us and Robert De Niro in the scene. Okay. Wow. Wow. So we go in and it's, it's a comedy and I, I won't give away the details just because I don't NDA and all that. But Yeah, for real. But, um, so we go in there, we do it once and the director says, um, you guys just want to improv one, see what happens, <laughs> which is a dangerous thing to say to either Josh or I. <laughs> uh-huh. So we, we start improv this scene with Robert De Niro mm-hmm. and he's playing with us, man. Uh, it was like one of the highlights of my life. It was so, it was this owl 30 second scene that turned into a five minute monologue or five minute, um, improv scene, which, you know, when they cut it down, it'll probably be 10 seconds, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, I mean, that on the day, it was a five-minute improv scene with the two of us and Robert De Niro. So that's the good news. The bad news is it was produced by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. I went through a whole thing the last two weeks where I was – like I'd get up in the morning. I'm eating my cereal, having my coffee, just trying to wake up. That's my process. And then like, OK, I'll go into the shop. And uh, I'm a uh, – I was looking that up. I was like, I'm not going to let this go. Too many news stories just disappear. And I'm feeling like, okay, hey, thank God this one's not just going to go away. You know, I think that this is going to get taken to the nth degree and, you know, whatever. Like that and the, the Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, I'm fascinated with that. Uh, all of these different. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I know about that. Yeah, it's a Silicon Valley story. It's a total ripoff. She's a total scam artist. Uh, it's amazing to go in because I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, I'm oddly attracted to this psycho woman. And uh, I want to know everything that there is to know about that craziness right there. She scammed the the entire medical industrial complex on the idea that her company was going to develop a remote blood testing device. Oh, yeah. I, that, I remember this. Yeah. She's done. She's done. And she's still acting like. Because she was obsessed with Steve Jobs, and she was like, I want to be the female Steve Jobs. And uh, the more you read into it, the crazier the entire thing sounds, and you hear all this creepy stuff about how she treated her employees and the NDAs and all of that. It's just it's amazing. So it's stuff like that, and like I'm not letting it go. I want to know everything there is to know about this, that, and the other. And I go back and look at old stuff. I'm like, where's Chandra Levy? Well, she's not alive, but what happened to Gary Condit? You know, and then, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I went through this, and, uh, man, I'm so... uh, The uh, the war with Grandpa 
comes out next year. Um, Did somebody pick it up? We sh- I mean, we shot it years ago, dude. Shot um, it years ago. Oh, it says it's in post-production. Who wouldn't pick this up? Like I'm, a, I'm assuming somebody was going is going to pick it up at some point. But we shot this, and and they were, I think it was the same year. My I think it was 2016. Oh my goodness! I believe that's when we oh shot it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it doesn't necessarily say. It just says 2020. Uh, man, I haven't seen Uma Thurman in anything for a while, but I got to say, age looks fantastic on her. She looks really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for anybody else. I'm ter- like, like, like that. I, I always like to see like, oh, did I work with that guy or whatever, you know? But like, I'm not seeing that. Many. I don't know any of these folks. I have a lot of really good work with uh, with kids, and there's a bunch of kids in this movie. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, boy, man, there's there's so many of these up and coming stars that are like Uma and Ethan's daughter who was yeah. in uh, Stranger Things. And then I was just watching The Boys, because I'm a huge Garth Ennis dude. So yeah, I'm, watching, I'm watching The Boys, and I'm confused by the the, the lead, the second lead. Not not um, Urban, but the, the, the second lead. I'm confused by him, because I'm like, why? I bet you he's related to somebody famous. Uh, not that I thought he was doing a bad job. I thought he was doing a fine job. But it's like, how did this guy get this gig? You know. And of mm-hmm. course, it, he's um, Dennis Quaid and um, how was her name? Meg the Queen. Meg Ryan. Meg, Meg Ryan. Yeah. Her mm-hmm. son. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just over and over, I'm like, how oh, is this? Oh, I bet they're related to somebody famous. It's like, God, man, I wish my fan, I wish my parents were famous. That'd be nice. <laughs> that grandfathered in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I could go well, on and on uh, about Dennis Quaid. I've been thinking about him a lot lately because I just listened to a book that he uh, narrated, uh, and. Um, I feel like I just keep watch. He just keep, he's in everything that I watched growing up, and then I yeah. missed working with him on a movie here a few years ago. So I'm hoping he'll come back. But yeah, me too. I like Dennis. I think what you got to do, yeah, if you let your uh, agent know that you want to work on anything that might pop up in this place, you've got like yeah, a they're gonna have to put you up. I mean, you're you're SAG, right? Yeah, no, they'd have to put me up and all that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to put you up, and they're going to give you all the appropriate treatment. And I mean, they're going to have to hire. I mean, if they're going to be hiring leads or you know um, guest stars, they're going to be hiring those out of state anyway. You know? Um, Oh, they'll do it. They'll do it. I mean, I've worked on some stuff with uh, where I mean, you might have one. you might have a protagonist who is performed by somebody that you've seen in things, and then you've got any number of other guys that's just like, okay, yeah, we hired uh, somebody that, you know, what can we fit into the role? It's like, that's the thing. If you're if you're working SAG and you're working on a $500,000 show, you're, like, SAG is still going to get, you're still going to get what you need. And oh, yeah. you're still going to get, you're still going to flex the acting muscle, you're still going to come in and you're going to do the best job you can do period. And then it's a matter of what's the rest of what, what can you get out of the rest of the crew? And, um, 
I got a lot of opinions about working on stuff in Oklahoma, but uh, really and truly, there's no reason not to come work on stuff. And then that's the beauty of it. Anytime a crew has worked on somebody on on a show with a performer that came across so well, it starts this whole new relationship, this whole new snowball effect. And then it's like, oh, let's get this guy back. Let's get that guy back. Because the producers get into situations where they're like, oh, yeah, we need a guy. We need a guy that could do this. And you're like, let's get them, you know, like McKenzie Aston. Or what? No, that's not right. Sean Aston's brother, Mackenzie Aston, has been here working on stuff like three times, and then like Dermot Mulrooney, I've worked with him twice, and uh, that guy Robert, never stopped working. No, I mean, he seems like he's just cranking. Robert Russler was here years ago. Like I said, Armando Sante, they just become like a, a, a staple for a while. And yeah. uh, I mean, hey, you know, you come in, you do like two or three years worth of worth of uh, work, and it's like. Yeah, they know me there, and they love me there. And like I say, you'll see the same crew because it's not, you know, we're really only one layer deep. But, uh, right, right. yeah, man. Anyway, hey, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to – I'm the one with the recorder, and I'm going to have to wind things down, gentlemen. Right yeah, on. We, uh, we appreciate your time. This has oh been an absolute, uh, absolute honor. Thank you so much for your time. Totally. Oh, and, yeah, you uh, please – uh, you've got you've got my number. Let us know anytime. Like we are hungry for content at any moment. Um, let us know if anything happens that you just want to put on tape. If something happens, just give us a call. Uh, let us know when you want to record and just give us your story and we'll publish it, man. All right, buddy. Like, Sounds yeah. great, man. If there's cool. like, okay, let's say. Uh, a, you know, we have we just recorded the whole thing and we'll go in and we'll do our bumpers later and stuff. But like if there's any content that you're concerned about because we we kind of got off the rails, let us know sure. so that we can like, eh, you know, we'll play with it. I've got we've got sound editing software, so we'll get in there. And I'm actually I'm actually not working tomorrow because I am very sick. So uh, I can edit. Oh, things, sorry about that. Make it work. It's OK. I'm going to live. I'm too motivated about my job this weekend to let it stop me. Right on, right on, man. Yeah. Well, cool. uh, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I we'll release this next Thursday, actually, and uh, that way we got some time to go over it in case there's anything you guys uh, decided that uh, was too much non-disclosure. And uh, we'll we'll link you on everything, and we'll make a good. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I'll I'll email you my um, um, my email so you can uh, <laughs> send me like a a good promo shot or something that you want to use for our, our main graphic. Um, but yeah, thanks again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. Long live long and prosper. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Live long and prosper. brother. <laughs> we'll right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. All right. Thanks man. Bye. Bye. Bye.